to Beltway Talk, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between politics and the automobile retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's episode of Beltway Talk is sponsored by AIADA affinity partner, Moss Adams. Moss Adams is a fully integrated professional services firm dedicated to assisting clients with growing, managing, and protecting prosperity. Moss Adams, Opportunity Rising. Find out more at AIADA.org. Joining us for this episode of Beltway Talk is Don Stewart, who is the Executive Vice President of Public Affairs at the Association of Global Automakers. He's a longtime Capitol Hill veteran, spending more than two decades in the Senate, most recently as the Deputy Chief of Staff for Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. He's here to talk about his recent move off the Hill to global automakers, how his association is dealing with legislative and policy challenges in Washington, and why dealers at AIADA's recent fly-in made a difference. Thanks for joining us in the AIADA podcast studio, Stu. (laughs) Happy to be here. Um, To kick things off, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about what Global Automakers is and what you do there? Sure. My name is Don Stewart. I'm the Executive Vice President of Global Automakers of Public Affairs. Uh, We represent the international uh, automotive industry in their U.S. interests. Uh, everything from the technology, the mobility, the supplier, the entire value chain is what we represent. Uh, also, we have the Here for America Coalition mm-hmm. uh, with, with you all that uh, mainly focus on trade relations and others. Uh, that's, that's our main focus. And what are you doing at Global Automakers right now? I know you recently started, I think it was two or three months ago now. Yeah, I just started a couple months ago. I, I do the government affairs and the communications uh, departments, uh, the public affairs division of Global Automakers. Okay, sounds like a big job and you can um, <laughs> maybe we'll fill us in on that as we move along. But um, you mentioned that one of your first jobs was working for an auto dealer. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience in your younger days? Um, and did it do anything to spark your interest in the auto industry? Sure, it was one of my uh, earlier jobs. I was a uh, Fairly young. They used to call it a lot boy. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's a different name now, but I did everything <laughs> from washing the cars every day. We washed every car every day um, to when a customer bought a car before it was delivered, I would wash the car mm-hmm. and fill it with gas. And back then gas was about 70 cents a gallon. So it wasn't a big deal. It was a lot cheaper than it is now. Oh yeah. And we had our own <laughs> gas tank. And so I would fill the tanks. I would wash the car, make it perfect, and then bring it around front for the customer. We had a really good delivery system uh, for them. Um, and I was able to drive cars home at lunchtime, which was a big uh, deal. Uh, so I got to drive every kind of car you could think of. Test drive all of them. Sure. And it was a, it was a auto, what we called an auto mall at the time. Mm-hmm. There was probably 20 different dealers there. So um, the people I worked for owned about half of them. Okay. So I got to drive all sorts of different cars every day and uh, see the entire experience from them coming in to them going out. And I, I love cars anyway. So it was great to be able to drive cars that I couldn't afford at the time. So I, I take it you probably still love cars I even do. now. Yeah. So, oh, it's natural, natural progression career-wise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know you spent a lot of time on Capitol Hill. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background here in Washington? I, like I said, I know you're a Capitol Hill veteran. Tell us how you got started on the Hill and with Senator McConnell. Sure. I started uh, with the senator in Georgia. I got out of the Army. I was stationed in Savannah, and I got out of the Army there, and I finished college there and I a friend of mine worked for Senator Coverdale the late Senator Paul Coverdale of Georgia and he was moved up here uh, to DC for a job and recommended me for his job and I applied and I got that job so I was able to work with what I call real people Mm -hmm. (laughs) all over the state normal folks 
And uh, I traveled around about half the state, 34 counties in Georgia, and was able to visit with folks and um, help people with problems, real problems, and find real solutions. And uh, he eventually moved me to D.C. Uh, to be his press secretary. And sadly, he passed away that mm-hmm. same year. Uh, but I ended up with Senator Phil Graham. Okay. And did press with him. That was a great experience. I learned more than anybody could ever imagine with him, including how, what to do when you delete the entire website. Oh. Uh, which... <laughs> For anybody in public affairs, that's, uh, you know, a real... Uh, yeah, it's a bad day. <laughs> yeah. So I deleted his website, but uh, we handled it and we got it right back up. Uh, and I went on, when he retired, I worked for Senator John Cornyn of Texas, okay. who took that mm-hmm. seat and was with him for about three years. And then when Senator McConnell was the whip and about to become leader, he asked me to come on and help set up the leader's office, the communication okay. center and some other things there. So I came on with him and eventually became deputy chief of staff uh, until I retired in uh, March. Okay, so you retired in air quotes, but yeah, <laughs> retired. Um, do you have any highlights from your time in the Senate that you want to share with listeners? Uh, there's so many. I mean, uh, being in the Oval Office with the President is certainly something that nobody will ever forget. Um, that's pretty neat. I, I worked on six Supreme Court nominations, six of the current Supreme Court um, justices. I was uh, part of their confirmation process. Some were easier than others, some were very hard, um, but that was a, a great experience because you get to deal with all three sort of branches of the government at the same time. I bet. And you meet a lot of interesting folks and um, go through some very serious debates, And uh, but we got through them all. And those were a lot of fun. Um, tax reform was a big deal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of trade negotiations in the Senate. Senator McConnell's a big, uh, big free trader. Mm-hmm. We got to do TPA and a lot of other things with him, so that was a lot of fun. And then just meeting people, all the people that come through the office, you know, yeah. hundreds of meetings yeah. every month and you get to meet all these interesting folks. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, the auto industry is happy to have you <laughs> at this point as you left the Hill. Um, as you prepared to move off the Hill, was there anything that attracted you to the auto industry and global automakers in particular? Well, the industry I found pretty quickly to be involved in almost all the major issues of the day. Mm-hmm. And we're not lacking for any kind of issue. I mean, everything from trade to the economy, manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, it's all right there. So I was able to jump into something that would keep me you know, interested and engaged and be able to do a lot of the issues I was involved in before. Absolutely. Um, is there anything you've enjoyed particularly in the last couple of months? I know you know, you're kind of fresh to the position, yeah. but is there anything in particular you've enjoyed? Well, I like, I like the fight. I like being engaged. Um, I, I was able to visit, get out and actually visit some of the companies, uh, including a, a plant visit down in Georgia mm-hmm. and being able to see from the supply chain, from the suppliers all the way into the finished product. Yeah. That was really interesting to me. Um, the speed and the efficiency with which those vehicles are made is just fantastic. Absolutely. Was that Kia's plant right. in Georgia? Yeah. Okay. Um, now, how does your current work differ from life on Capitol Hill? I, I know life on Capitol Hill is very fast paced. So It is. I uh, mean, this, there's a lot going on in this industry. So I, I, I keep really busy. I'm mm-hmm. definitely not bored. Uh, I guess it, the main difference is we're not tied to the floor, the Senate floor mm-hmm. and the pacing of when bills are moving and, and that. So it's a different, it's a, a different timetable, mm-hmm. but it's still very engaged. I, w- I wouldn't say it's quite as fast as the Hill, but it's certainly... Um, there are enough issues for anyone that wants to be engaged full-time to be there full-time yeah. and stay busy. I, I haven't been bored one day yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Um, moving along, what are some of the bigger policy issues that you and Global are working on right now? Wow, there's a lot. Uh, everything from the spectrum and safety mm-hmm. uh, issues, connected vehicles, automation, mobility. Uh, and trade, of course, is the most 
the, the pressing yeah. that's right yeah. here right now um, that we're really focused on. Um, there's been a lot of news on that front and a lot of action from all of our members on that front and from you all and uh, your leadership's been very engaged on this and, and very supportive of trying to get this done in the right way. Um, mm-hmm. So that's certainly been the biggest I think we're on. There's a lot of issues, but that's the biggest right now. Yeah, so let's take just a minute to focus on the trade and tariff topic. I know last week was a pretty big one on the trade front for our industry. Um, could you just give our listeners a kind of an overview of where trade and tariffs <laughs> stand right now from the perspective of global automakers? Sure, there's two really, the two big things that happened last week that on the plus side, the president suspended the uh, metals tariffs on Mexico mm-hmm. and Canada. Uh, it's a good first step. There's a lot more to be done on that front, uh, but we appreciate that he's doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's already cost the industry billions of dollars. Yeah. So removing those is a big step, and, and a lot, I think a lot of people think that will help on USMCA and other issues. So that was a good first step. On the other side, um, the Commerce Department declared that uh, people who walk into your dealerships and make a choice to buy a vehicle that's right for their family that they can afford is a national security mm-hmm. threat somehow. We disagree. I know you all disagree. Uh, we don't think that's the right approach to people's consumers' decisions. I don't think consumers are a national security threat. <laughs> um, no. uh, particularly when you factor in that nearly half of the vehicles made in this country that are manufactured in America are international nameplate vehicles. Yeah. So uh, we just don't believe that that's a national security threat, and we hope they reconsider that. Absolutely. Um, what do you think it's important for our listeners to know about the trade and tariff issue right now? Uh, to be engaged, messages. yeah, certainly to be engaged. Um, yeah, I know the association's putting out a lot of good information on that front. Mm-hmm. The leadership's spoken out on that front. Uh, our association has a lot of information. And of course, hereforamerica.com, we have a lot of information on where we are and where we need to be. But certainly being educated on, on the situation and being engaged with your policymakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of uh, senators so far have spoken out on this and why it's important to uh, protect uh, consumers being able to purchase the vehicle that they want for their family. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of turning to the public's perspective um, and perception of the auto industry, what do you think are the biggest messages you think that the public should know about the U.S. auto industry and dealers in particular? Well, sure. I think it's the the manufacturing here in America is mm-hmm. one that more people uh, will be learning more about uh, before I leave this yeah. job. <laughs> uh, it, it, and it's critical, the jobs and the, and the impact on the economy. The impact that dealers have uh, in their communities, in the economy, and frankly, in, in the public sphere. Mm-hmm. I mean, the engagement of dealers in public policy is critical. I was here for the recent fly-in you all had, mm-hmm. where you had people from all across the country and then hundreds of meetings on Capitol Hill. That had an impact because those yeah. same people are now visiting with the president and explaining to him why this is important to them. So you have a, talk about being in the room. You, yeah. know, you have the ability to be in the room through these associations and literally be in the room and talk to the members who are then talking to the president and the Department of Commerce and others. So they had a real impact. Um, yeah, I think that's a valuable message for mm-hmm. people to understand. Now, kind of backtracking to your new role at Global Automakers, yeah. we talked a little bit about what you're doing. Um, do you have any particular goals or things that you're hoping to achieve in this new role as you move forward? Well, sure. We're hoping to, to build on what's already been done there mm-hmm. and uh, letting folks know the impact that these international automakers are having right here in America, what they're building here, mm-hmm. what they're buying here, uh, the impact on the economy that they have here, the jobs, I mean, millions of jobs associated yeah. with this industry. And then you add in all the dealers on top of that, and it's a significant part of our economy. 
So I would certainly like to have more people, uh, greater awareness mm-hmm. of what we're doing and why it's important and how they can, how they can affect public policy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any, any individual can affect public policy, either as a group or associated with the association or just individual outreach to a policymaker. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely important. I'm going to turn quickly to some less serious questions. I do this <laughs> kind of with everybody, but, um, we, I know we talked a little bit about this earlier today, but we do hear that you're a Nats fan. Yes. Um, how do you feel about the current season they're having? Uh, they're off to a slow start, uh, but I have <laughs> high hopes. Uh, they've had a, a disappointing season so far, the bullpen in particular, uh, but just little things. You know, we had uh, the Cubs in town. We showed Saturday night that uh, we can beat the Cubs, which is a really good team. Uh, but Friday night and uh, Sunday night, we just couldn't quite get it done. Um, it's all there. They have all the tools they need. Uh, I think they're going to be okay. But uh, so far, it's just a really slow and disappointing start. Yeah. Well, it's got a little ways to go in the yeah. season. So. Yeah. Long season. Yeah. I keep for... telling myself that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you always stay optimistic. Um, do you listen to any podcasts other than Beltway Talk, of course? Uh, well, Beltway Talk at the top. Uh, no, we have uh, um, uh, How I Built This, I think, is one of my mm-hmm. uh, favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just really interesting to see how other people have developed especially from a really small yeah. start to a really big start i think that's um uh, important uh, that's probably my favorite I odds and ends on the sports side but yeah um, yeah that's, that's me and then of course i listen to a lot of books on tape okay yeah i know how that goes um do you have a favorite restaurant in dc or otherwise uh, um at the ballpark probably shake shack uh-huh. um but uh it's, it's an addicting place yeah. i'm not sure what they put in there but it's uh, addicting <laughs> and then any place that has tacos i'm happy Tacos, yeah. yeah. I like district tacos since we're on the oh, subject yeah. of tacos. But um, finally, what is your dream car? I think now my dream car is the fully automated vehicle that would get me through traffic without me having to do anything about it. Yes. Uh, reduce my stress levels, my cortisol levels. I think I'd be a very happy young man. A little less driving in DC traffic. Yeah, yeah. I think once I'm on, I mean, I grew up with muscle cars in the 60s uh-huh. and 70s, and um, that's always pretty fantastic. But yeah, I think... When we can finally get to the fully automated vehicle, I'll be a happy man. Um, well, thank you for joining us in the studio today. Um, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up, Stu? I would just say stay engaged. Mm-hmm. It matters that your policymakers care what you have to say, particularly on a collective level, the way that you have with the association. Stay engaged because they care. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right. That wraps up this episode. Thanks for listening into Beltway Talk. As always, you can feel free to reach out and let us know if you would like to see any topics addressed on future episodes. My email address is oliverh at aiada.org. Thanks again and join us again next time for Beltway Talk.